Hello, you're listening to Drawn to the Flame, a podcast for fans of Arkham Horror, the card game. I'm your host, Frank, and this is another one of my first look episodes, this time for the player cards of Where the Gods Dwell. It's been a funny time for player cards, insofar as packs have been leaked, cards are out there, with the FFG layoffs as well in January, it's meant that podcasts like this one haven't been sent cards to announce. Not raising that because I'm feeling bitter or angry or anything like that, in fact. Just that it's changed how we're used to seeing packs and how, you know, the routine we've got ourselves into. So I don't know how many cards I know of this pack, and I'm quite keen to just dive in and check it out. Just before I do, our competition to design an upgraded skill card, by which I mean a skill card that costs XP, is now closed. I said the next time I did a first look it would close... So if you've sent your entry in between me recording this and putting this live, sorry, you've missed it. I said when I recorded the next first look, it was over, and it's over. So yeah, we've had loads of entries. Thank you so much. They look really cool so far. And what we're going to do next, Peter and I are going to pick our top few, and we're going to put them in front of our patrons and get them to help us decide which they think the winner is. So hopefully that will go down well, and we'll do an episode talking about them. We've got a few other things we want to talk about as well. So listen out for an episode on what do skill cards do, are they any good, and why is high XP skill cards hard to design, because that will be coming up soon, as well as the results of the competition. Right, let's dive into these cards, shall we? The first card is Empty Vessel. My goodness, look how much is going on on this card. So this is one cost asset, four XP, it's unique. And it has a subtitle, Abandoned by the Gods, Willpower and Wild Icons, Item, Relic, and Blessed. So Mateo can take it. Obviously, I'm switched on with that because we've just done our Mateo episode. Limit one per deck. Uses, zero charges. Ah, Akachi can take it too, right? Uses charges. That's her deck building requirement, right? Reaction, after you defeat an enemy, place one charge on Empty Vessel. Free trigger, if there are at least three charges on Empty Vessel, search your bonded cards for Wish Eater and swap it with Empty Vessel, moving all charges from Empty Vessel to Wish Eater. Okay, and it takes up the accessory slot. It's Robert Lasky art. It's like a black and white checkered marble floor on which the Empty Vessel, abandoned by the gods, is lying. It's relic traded as well, which means Ursula can take it. Just before we even see Wish Eater, because I'm imagining this is the very next card, my immediate thought is, if it's all about defeating enemies, probably we want this in Guardians who fight and who don't worry about their accessory slot too much. It'll be worth keeping an eye out and seeing, does Akachi, because she's going to shrivel things, or Mateo, like the look of this as well. And we're thinking you've got to get three kills before you get Wish Eater in play. Potentially tricky if... You're playing solo or you're playing low player count where you're maybe not seeing enemies. And obviously, if your enemy management strategy is evasion, doesn't help. But I think that's more or less all I can say about Empty Vessel until we move on to Wish Eater. Okay, null costed asset because it's a bonded card. It's also unique. Oh, wow. It's the the Empty Vessel sort of supercharged. Jewel of the Gods. Item Relic Blessed again. Bonded Empty Vessel. Reaction. When you reveal a skull, cultist, tablet, or elder thing chaos token during a skill test, spend a charge. K 
cancel that chaos token, heal a damage and a horror. Forced, if it has no charges, search your bonded cards for empty vessel and swap it with wish eater. Wow. Okay, still takes up the accessory slot. So you kill three enemies, which gives you three charges on empty vessel. Switch to wish eater, which then has three charges, and you then get three heals of one damage and one horror, and cancelling of a chaos token. So turning skulls, cultists, elder things, and tablets essentially into zeros. I mean, actually, the the cancelling is the good bit, right? When you particularly get to points where elder thing is, you know, you automatically fail instead. I've just been playing Unspeakable Oath, and in that, it's a zero, but you have to either add a monster to the deck or automatically fail. So there's basically two tentacles in the chaos bag, which is horrible. Okay, cool. I like it. I mean, it's kind of a weird one. You need to build it up before you get that ability. I can imagine scenarios where you either you see it late so you don't have time to kill things and it's a bit of a waste, or maybe where you kill enemies, but as you're doing it, you're revealing special symbols on those tests. And then once Wish Eater's out, you never reveal another special symbol. That could be incredibly annoying. Obviously, as I mentioned, there's this mystic link to it, and they might be doing more things with revealing tokens. I mean, Mateo is obviously fresh in my mind because we've been talking about him, but if you're doing that back-delving style, maybe you're going to hit the triggering conditions a little bit more. And maybe if you know you're running Wish Eater, you take a couple of hits you wouldn't normally take in the interest of tempo, because you know Wish Eater's not only going to heal those back, but then cancel tokens later on, and you'll be in a better place. So that possibly could be something. I think that's all I have to say about it. It looks like a cool card, pricey for the XP, nice to have healing baked into doing what you'd normally be doing, which is killing enemies. And then once you've killed a certain number of enemies, you've banked an amount of heal. I like that. I think that's decent without blowing me away, but I think it's a nice design. I'm sure the stuff I'm missing, I'm going to move on. Okay, next is our first... Wow, we're just moving straight on to Seeker after that. It's our first Seeker card. It's Surprising Find. It's a skill card, an XP skill card, no less. One XP, one wild icon, amazing art from Jesse Mead. Fortune and Research traded. Wow. Called it. Myriad. Here are the three of them. Reaction. When you search your deck and Surprising Find is among the searched cards, put it into play in your play area. You must commit it to the next eligible skill test you perform. If that test is successful, draw one card. Max one research ability per search. Wow, that was kind of tricky to pass. So if you just draw it normally, it's just a wild icon. That's fine. If you search for it and see it and choose to trigger the ability, it goes into play. And the next skill test you perform, you have to commit it. So you're giving yourself plus one to a future skill test with if that card, if that test is successful, draw a card. So it also essentially allows you to draw another card from the search, albeit one that you didn't get to choose. Hmm. So you could maybe do something like use search, hit this. That gives you a plus one for your next test. You know that your next test is an investigator's, Mandy. It's a t- tricky shroud location. So then you get to pass that test and draw a card. Yeah, I like it. It feels almost like a card that you want early on to kind of draw you through the rest of your deck and give you bonuses early. There might be nice things you can do where you try and find this just at the end of your turn and then you're set up for a boost in Mythos. I suppose the other thing I'm thinking is 
if you want every search to hit some kind of research card, you could take three surprise and find, three astounding revelation. And if you're Mandy, you've also got occult evidence. If you're not Mandy, it's all the more reason to run search text. If you're running Practice Makes Perfect, uh, if you're running Old Book of Law and Rook, you can do that in any seeker now. And now you could run Astounding Revelation and Surprising Find and have a suite of six cards that you can hit. That seems pretty nice. I'm not sort of wild about it just gives you a plus one and you draw one card, but potentially pretty good. Min loves it, right? It's a plus two and draw a card. It's like an unexpected courage with a card draw. If she's got analytical mind down, it's another card. Yeah, that's cool. Kind of, again, like sort of almost simple design. I really like it. It feels quite unflash and quite awesome and i love the little pendant there and what does the art say remo hmm. to be examined more i think right moving on the next card is old book of law level three well hello i have missed your crumbling tattered pages old book of law so it's three xp as i said it's gone down to two cost it's gained an intellect icon, so it's willpower and intellect. It's still item and tome traded, and it still takes up a hand slot. Now uses two secrets. Action, exhaust old book of law. Choose an investigator at your location. That investigator searches the top three cards of their deck for a card, draws it, and shuffles their deck. Then you may spend one secret to have that investigator immediately play that card Reducing its cost by two. For an action, you give them the search, they draw a card. And if you want to spend the secret, they get an action themselves. So you're trading your action for giving them an action and a two cost reduction. Here, I just helped you find your 45 automatic that now only costs two. Or your beat cop. Or your Leo DeLuca. Or... All sorts of cards, you know, your pickpocketing is now free. There you go. Wow, your shriveling just cost one. Your right of seeking just cost two. Incredible. Talk about turning seekers into the super help faction. That is so nice. I mean, what a boon as well, that if you weren't sure about running tomes, not in Daisy or Mandy, this just gives you such an extra boost to old book of law to make it worthwhile that like oh yeah i will spend a spare action to help people find cards is now and give them a free action and a reduction of two yeah that's really strong cool the hand slot and seeker in terms of tones super contested now right otherworld codex dream diary hawkeye folding camera old book of law yeah i love it really cool and we're on to rogues. Ooh, what is this juicy little card? This is Garot Wire. Two cost asset, two XP, one combat icon, item and weapon traded. And it's a piano with the Garot Wire on the top of it. So it's almost like someone has just come and taken a piano string and made their own homemade Garot on top of it. I love, by the way, the change in vibe. The smoke in this, like there's a lit cigarette in an ashtray. You've gone from two seeker cards that are all about like books and research straight to, no, we're in a dive bar and here's some piano wire to kill someone. Right, what does it do? It takes up the accessory slot. It's item and weapon traded and it takes up the accessory slot. Our first ever weapon that isn't a hand slot. Grenades is the only other one. Second ever. 
definitely our first that takes the accessory slot, I think. Free trigger. During your turn, exhaust garot wire. Fight. You get plus two combat for this attack. Use only on an enemy with exactly one remaining health. <laughs> okay, wow. You get a free fight action every turn. Just just bonus in a faction that already loves having lots of actions. You can only use it to fight. It gives you a nice plus two boost. I like that. But <laughs> you can only use it on enemies with exactly one remaining health. So I'm walking around with this out and no other weapon. I can strangle rats. I can also punch a two health enemy. And then essentially, if I can pass the second attack with the garot wire, I'm killing a two health enemy for one action, in air quotes, because I'm getting a free action from garot wire. That's kind of cool. Likewise, if I have a weapon with ammunition, I could do two damage to an enemy. Most weapons give you plus one damage. And then if it's left with one health, garot wire it. Very nice. Straight away, I'm thinking Tony. And I'm also immediately getting to a reservation I'd have about that, that you want to kill enemies with the long cult. You don't want to leave an enemy on one health that you then garot, because you then don't get the bounty reload from the long cult. You need to execute those enemies, you know? That's how Tony likes to roll. So that that's kind of interesting to me. Accessory slot, not too contested in Rogue. There is obviously Lucky Cigarette Case, Lucky Dice, Gold Pocket Watch, Spooky Skull if you're running Spooky Skull, or Crystallizer. So there are some things that you could maybe have Garot Wire built in. You could also maybe combo this if you weren't using weapons. And if you're doing an evade sneak attack garot, you're saving actions there. You know, maybe someone like Finn likes garot for finishing off enemies because it's a repeatable one damage. He fights at a five, maybe. Not convincing myself on that. Curious. What a curious little card. Two XP for unlimited free fights with a pretty particular condition. Intriguing. Maybe Leo likes it. Just as a final (coughs) evil Leo. Okay, yeah, it's cool. Like, I'd like to think about a way of building a very specific garot killing deck. That would be nice. It's not illicit as well. Garot wires are not illegal, guys. Ooh, okay. Next is a three cost, three XP asset Delilah O'Rourke, the Syndicate Assassin. Oh, she was on the front of Point of No Return art. Combat and agility icons. Ally, criminal, and syndicate traded? Is that the first time we've seen syndicate? Oh, wow. Is Innsmouth Conspiracy going to have syndicate, you know, gangs fighting it out in Innsmouth? That would be so good if so. You get plus one combat and plus one agility. Free trigger, exhaust Delilah O'Rourke and spend X resources. Choose an enemy at your location. Deal one damage to the chosen enemy. Two damage instead if that enemy is exhausted. X is the chosen enemy's evade value. Sheldon, O'Banion, don't care, just as long as I get paid. Three health, two sanity, and takes up the ally slot. I mean, this is Lola Santiago, but for killing. And so it's giving you two static boosts for three cost and three XP. That's exactly like Lola. It's not double icon, it's uh, two different icons. You exhaust her as a free trigger and spend X. X is the chosen enemy's evade value. So I could exhaust her and there's an exhausted ghoul at my location and I spend two because they have two evade and I get to do two damage to the enemy if they're exhausted. 
Tesla-sly free. Oh. Not quite the power, I would say, of Lola Santiago of just buying clues based off the shroud, but nonetheless kind of useful. It's I mean it's making me think straight away of Garotwire. It's another way of doing damage testlessly. If you're packing this and packing loads of rogue economy, you maybe hit an enemy a couple of times, exhaust Delilah for a free damage, garrot them. You know, you maybe end up combining a lot of damage in a brawler character, but a lot of it's either testless or paying resources to do it or free actions, and that's the way that they pack more damage in. And I'm just thinking as well, if you run Stunning Blow in Tony, you could use Stunning Blow to exhaust an enemy and then tap and do the damage. This will suddenly again make investigators pay attention to those evade values. I think it could fit nicely in Skids or Finn, where they're managing enemies and maybe the way they're doing it is generating resources, evading mostly, and then sometimes killing off enemies that need to be killed. You know, imagine if you've just evaded uh, a VP enemy. Like, for instance, the Servant of the Lurker has two evade, five health, and is a VP. So you can evade that, pay two to do two damage to it. You know, then you just need a backstab or a sneak attack plus a garrot or something like that. And it's just a completely different way of dealing damage to enemies. You know, you just change it up. It's not comboing the damage in the way that we're used to. It's kind of cool. Okay, what's next? Wow, next we're on to the Summon Hound. Now this was in the announcement article. This is a bit of a mind boggler. Three cost asset, one XP, intellect and combat icons, ally and summon traded. I think that's the first time we see the trait summon. As an additional cost to play Summon Hound, you must search your bonded cards for one copy of Unbound Beast and shuffle it into your deck. We'll look at Unbound Beast in a moment. Free trigger during your turn, except during an action. Exhaust Summon Hound, fight or investigate. Either attack with a base combat of five or investigate with a base intellect of five. Three health, null sanity. And it takes up both an arcane slot and the ally slot. I think we'll start with the slot cost there because that is a significant cost. Ally slot, obviously very contested, very important. And in Mystic and people who might be thinking about taking this, you've already got Renfield, Arcane Initiate, Olive if you're doing Olive. Alyssa is also incredibly strong depending on player count. And now Twyla. So you're probably thinking about Charisma as well, if you're thinking about that as an option. So straight away, there's reasons for hesitation about wanting to take this, but it's giving you every turn a free action, an extra action, and that's fighting or investigating at a base of five. That also is kind of weird, insofar as most of the time we thought Mystics wanted to fight or investigate with their willpower. And this is saying, no, 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 go back to your other stat, whatever that is, but we'll set the base at a really impressive five. There's also that strangeness of if you're running, you know, if the things you want to commit are all willpower icons, this doesn't help. But we've got to remember that Empower Self has just come out and you could be having baked in bonuses and you could even be looking to be switching back to the original stat that matches the action. So you might be looking to do more fights using combat rather than willpower, depending on your build. 
likewise with investigating. If you have access to secret cards, you might be running things like deduction or even enraptured that you can commit to intellect tests, but you can't commit to willpower tests. So having a way of regularly using intellect at a high level seems kind of nice with the summoned hound. And kind of weirdly, like, I'm both very excited about the idea of being able to steadily investigate every turn at five, and also somewhat terrified by the costs of it. Three cost, one XP, two slots, you know, all of that stuff is kind of weird. In solo, this could be your investigation solution. You know, like once you have the summon hound down, you just trundle around. This is a clue every turn, essentially. You might need to boost a little bit for the higher shroud locations, but even at a three shroud location, this is reasonable in standard. So that is then like, okay, well, you know, I can see the power there. There are obviously drawbacks as well. And probably the main one is shuffling Unbound Beast into your deck. So let's talk about this. This is a three cost, three cost, three fight, three health, three evade weakness enemy. It's bonded to the Summon Hound and it's monster, extra dimensional and Tinderloss traded. It preys on the bearer and it has Hunter and Retaliate and a revelation ability. If there's no copy of Summon Hound in play, set Unbound Beast aside out of play Otherwise, set an investigator summon hound aside out of play and spawn unbound beast engaged with the same investigator. Hits for a damage and a horror. The art is great because you can see the the binding snapping off the beast's neck and it's coming for you. A 3-3-3 three, three, three enemy that you're adding to your deck voluntarily with hunter and retaliate that also kicks your three-cost ally out of play no test, no chance to mitigate. Ugh, instead of so ghastly. Of course, there is a way around this, which is using a chance encounter to play Summon Hound out of your discard pile before you even played it, because then you put it into play rather than play it, so you never add Unbound Beast to your deck. I wouldn't be surprised if that gets errated, because it's quite a good workaround. You'd need to probably do it in Agnes so she can run Chance Encounter 2 that just puts it into play permanently rather than just for the turn. But yeah, that's the only workaround I've seen going around on the internet. And I think, you know, having Unbound Beast pop up is really nasty. I'd really want something like a Spectral Razor or Ephemeral Form or... Is it Ephemeral Form? It's Ethereal Form, isn't it? I keep saying ephemeral instead of ethereal very frustrating yeah so you probably want some kind of tool ready and with three health this is going to be a nuisance even to shriveling and shards of the void and things like that unless you get lucky so yeah it's it's not to be trifled with and that risk that element of not knowing when you're losing your summoned hound to the unbound beast i think is really nasty just when you think you're set up and you're going to investigate steadily with this, or it's your solution for fighting your way free, suddenly the Unbound Beast pops up and all of that goes down the drain. Not just that it goes down the drain, but now you have another thing to deal with. You've got to be really confident with how you can mitigate putting a new enemy in your deck. Yeah. Let's move on. What's the next Mystic card? There isn't another Mystic card. Wow. This pack we are racing through. Okay, it's nothing left to lose. This is the survivor card that was also announced. Zero cost, three XP event, one wild icon. It's spirit traded. If you have fewer than five resources, gain resources until you have five. 
If you have fewer than five cards in your hand, draw cards until you have five cards in your hand. Remove nothing left to lose from the game. I'm on four resources and three cards in hand. I play this, I get a single resource and two cards. Not great. I have no resources and no cards in hand. I play this, I get five resources and draw five cards. Kind of amazing. It has Patrice on the art. I'm not convinced that this is a really good Patrice card. And it's the same reason I've used for various other draw cards in Patrice, that because you lose your hand at the end of the turn, card draw drops in power for Patrice because she's got built-in super draw anyway. So if you were wanting to take advantage of the cards you draw from Patrice with nothing left to lose, you'd need to at least action one spend some cards or maybe have committed one or two in Mythos and one or two in action one. Action two, play this, and then you're drawing three to four cards. And then you've got one action left to use everything in your hand, the new five cards. I can see that there could be a clutch moment where you're committing huge numbers of cards to try and pass really difficult tests and Patrice has would benefit from being able to draw so many cards like that but that is somewhat niche I would say that's not like every game you need Patrice to go smash tests and as Peter will attest Patrice can smash tests even without being able to draw five cards middle of the way through her turn you could be doing something where you're committing her cards to other people but because it's so unreliable with you knowing which cards you're going to have in hand and controlling that, unless you're packing entirely wild icons in your deck, I'm, I'm not convinced on that. What I do like about this card is that it's an incredible card for bouncing back if you're playing with Dark Horse. And if you're using some kind of Dark Horse build, maybe in Ashcan you're also chucking cards to Ready Duke. When you suddenly need to get back up to a reasonable number of resources because you're going to play Will to Survive or another impactful card maybe you want to play a new copy of peter sylvester because you've been unlucky and lost him or whatever it is single action with this you can bump from zero to five i mean i think it's worth three xp just for the five resources cash level three is the same cost the same xp and only gives you four ever this is zero to five with the caveat that you have to be on zero to start or well you have to have fewer than five you can't go from five to ten so to get the five resources, you need to be on zero. But yeah, I like that. I think that's really impactful. I think this is a really solid card. And I imagine that it'll end up being played for sort of gain three resources, draw three cards-ish, hopefully with more. But, you know, that would be a good place to end with it. Worth noting, small thing, it's called Nothing Left to Lose. But... Weirdly, it doesn't follow the the vague rule of the naming of cards. You know when you play a card like Look What I Found? Look What I Found, you play it and you find something. You, you're like, oh, look what I found. I thought I'd failed this investigate. I've actually found two clues. Likewise with Lucky, you play Lucky and you are lucky. But with nothing left to lose, actually you have to have nothing left to lose before you play the card. And once you've played the card, you have five resources and five cards in hand. So you then definitely do have something left to lose. So it's really from nothing to something left to lose is how the card is actually named, which is kind of weird, huh? Anyway, that was just a silly thought. I like it. It's a good card. And finally, ooh, a neutral. Well, hello, the black cat. Is this? Yeah, this doesn't have a symbol that says it's not just a player card. Ah, this is our level 5 neutral card. 
The Black Cat, subtitle A Liar or a Prophet or Both. It's a two-cost, 5xp asset with double wild icons. Ally, Avatar, and Dreamlands. Avatar. Uh-oh. And it takes up the ally slot. It has three health and three sanity. Anytime you reveal a tablet, Elder Thing, or Elder Sign symbol during a skill test, you may choose to use the following effects instead of that symbol's normal effects. Tablet, minus one. The Black Cat takes one direct damage. Elder Thing, minus one. The Black Cat takes one direct horror. Elder Sign, plus five. Heal all damage and horror from the Black Cat. (laughs) Wow. What? How do I even begin to pass this? This is the first time we have a card that more or less changes up how the token symbols are working. Um, A player card, I mean, as opposed to just being Jim. So when you play this, you're giving yourself new token effects for tablets, elder things, and elder signs. Just for the ability of turning tablets and elder things into minus ones, that's kind of good. The elder sign, it's obviously completely investigator dependent. You know, if you're playing Wendy and you don't have her amulet in play, that's just the plus zero. So using the elder sign here for a plus five means you're suddenly passing a test that you had no right to pass. That spike is pretty cool. I just, I'm flummoxed. I don't even know how to begin to say whether this is just a nice flavorful card or completely awesome. It's obviously campaign dependent as well. If you're playing something like Carcosa, where you're changing out the tokens, you might not have tablets or elder things and Black Cat suddenly becomes useless. If you're playing through Forgotten Age, where you have an elder thing the whole way through, turning that elder thing into a pretty weakling number is pretty good. So maybe the Black Cat sneaks into those decks that are doing things with smoothing out the bag and fooling with the bag, because this just completely trivializes some of the scarier tokens and essentially you don't need to worry about sealing them for yourself because you've just given yourself a couple of minus ones in the bag like that's not to be sniffed at obviously with the damage and horror the black cat slowly gets killed off so you can't do that too often you've got a limit of you could do it twice with each and then the, the fifth time would get rid of it in a best case scenario so anything that heals damage or horror from allies might be useful, like Inspiring Presence, or I think it's um, Minds in Harmony can also heal horror from other things. Yeah, you could maybe do that. What a strange little card. I kind of like it, and it's there peeking through the porthole window, like a real creep. Okay, yeah. I'm also stunned by that thing of it being an avatar, because isn't the man in the, the Red Club Man, isn't he an avatar? And is this a hint that the Black Cat is Niall Athotep? which would be nuts if so. I mean, like story spoiler, potentially. So that is the pack. What a slim little pack. Crazy. Survivor only gets one. Mystic only gets one. Delilah and the Garot Wire for Rogue. So cool. Like, I love that just as a pair of like, hey, we do damage without spending actions. Old Book of Law, incredible. Surprising find, I'm really intrigued to put that into a deck and see how I feel about it finding it, because I think it might actually be stronger than I first thought. And then that really weird combined Empty Vessel and Wish Eater, sort of struggling to get my head around that as well. 
yeah, maybe I'm just really tired and forgetting what these cards are, but a kind of cool pack. Beautiful art. Just, yeah, intense. So yeah, I hope you enjoyed this. Looking forward to talking to patrons about what they thought of it. Hit me up if you're listening to the episode and want to share your thoughts as well. Always appreciate those. I'm sure I've missed things. You know, it's just the start of the conversation. It's not the end. Thanks very much for listening. Bye. Bye.